Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Podcast for December 13th, 2023. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Cowboys' chances to win the NFC East. We're going to be talking about the Jonathan Hankins injury and when he could potentially return. We're going to be going over the All-22 from Sunday's game, and we're going to dive a little bit into this matchup versus the Buffalo Bills. Before we get into the episode, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening to this on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you may be listening to this to, please make sure to follow the show and leave a review. I would greatly appreciate that. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. So the question that a lot of Cowboys fans are asking is, can the Cowboys win the NFC East? And I think the answer to that question is yes. And here's the reason why. The Cowboys are a really good football team that can win the remainder of their football games, regardless of the fact that you are facing a tougher stretch of your schedule. And two, the Eagles are on a downward spiral right now. And even though, you know, their strength of schedule going down the stretch here isn't necessarily the strongest. The way that team is playing right now with their defense and the way that that team's played all season, quite frankly, with the way their defense is playing, I mean, look, they're susceptible to lose to anybody. Um, so w- let's go over our next four games and then let's go over their next four games. Our next four games, obviously, we know Sunday you get the Buffalo Bills. I think you can win that football game. You get the Miami Dolphins uh, the next week. You can win that football game, as we saw on Monday night versus the uh, Tennessee Titans. If they if they can go down there and win a football game, you can go down there and win a football game. There's no doubt about it. Um, and then you get the Detroit Lions, a team that they're spiraling uh, just like the Eagles. You know, uh, Detroit's not playing very good football right now, and they haven't played good football over the past month. So that's something that a lot of Cowboys fans are going to have to take into account when we talk about these games coming down the stretch. And then when you look at the Eagles schedule coming down the stretch, it it is lighter than what the Cowboys have coming up. Um, They have in these next four games, they have the, this Sun or this Monday, they have the Seattle Seahawks. They can lose that game. That is a talented football team. As we saw last Thursday, They have a quarterback that can take advantage of that defense if that quarterback plays. They have skill players everywhere. They have, you know, Kenneth Walker, Charbonnet, Metcalf, Lockett, Smith and Jigba, Noah Fant, uh, that other tight end, Bobo, I think his name is. So they got guys on their team that can exploit that Eagles defense. They can lose that game. You have the Giants twice. That's a team that's won three straight games. They're feeling really good about themselves. They have a quarterback who feels really good about himself. You know, that's a team that can play ball control football, run the football, keep the ball in the offense's hands, and they have a defense that can make some stops on that Philadelphia offense. Their defense is playing good football recently. You know, so you, you have to take that into consideration. And then when you look at the Arizona Cardinals, I want people to watch for that game. I have a, I have a feeling about that game for the Eagles. I think that they, they could potentially lose that game, and here's the reason why. Who is their head coach for the uh, Arizona Cardinals? It's Jonathan Gannon, right? Jonathan Gannon was the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles last year. He knows their personnel. He knows their scheme. He understands that football team. This is a guy that was maligned by the Philadelphia media and fans all last year when they had one of the best defenses in football. They had uh, a record-breaking defense when it came to getting sacks. Uh, This was a guy that did a very good job in, in Philadelphia. And what did he get in return for him doing a good job? He got maligned, and that's what happened. So, you know, 
I think those players are going to get up for him. And I think they're going to get up for that football game. And not only that, they have the personnel that can cause Philly some problems, right? They have speedy wide receivers all over the place. Uh, you know, you have uh, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch. Uh, Trey McBride's playing really good football for them, man. He's really turned it on their second-round pick uh, from the 2022 draft. And then you got a quarterback that can, you know, escape pressure in Kyler Murray. A, a guy who can make plays on the move and improvise. That's one thing that you have to do if you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles in that pass rush. But that pass rush hasn't been the same over the past month. So, you know, this is a very interesting football game for the Eagles. And I I, I think more than any, if, they, if the Eagles lose that game, that's going to be huge. Because one thing that I want Cowboys fans to understand is that if the Cowboys go one and one in this stretch against AFC teams, they can still win the division if the Eagles lose one more game, because then I think they would have the same uh, conference record. Now they would have to beat Detroit and Washington for this to be the case, because there's multiple things that go into uh, deciding a tiebreaker. Uh, first is head to head. Then it's like head to head versus the division. Then it's head to head versus the conference. And then there's one more thing where I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are tied in, and then it goes strength of victory. So I think that would be point differential. And at that point, you know, the Cowboys have a much better point differential than the Eagles, and they would they would win the division. And and I did read that somewhere. Somebody tweeted that out that if the Cowboys go one and one in this stretch against the AFC, but they beat the two NFC teams that they play at the end of the year, and the Eagles lose one more game, they win the division. So, you know, this is this is this is going to be a huge stretch for uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles as well, you know. And look, I I go back to fate will always play out, right? Like, if the Eagles win this division, do you think they feel good about themselves? Do you think that they think that they're the best team in this division? How can you think that if you're if you're the Eagles? You just got your doors blown out in Dallas. This is a team that should have beat you in your own place. How do you feel good about winning this division if you do end up winning it? Like, you don't. They would they would be celebrating and we'd be looking at them like, all right, the better team didn't win the division. But I do think fate will play out. I believe in the football gods, right? And I think at the end of the day, the best team will win the division. And the best team in this division is the Cowboys. No doubt about it. In my, in my personal opinion, no doubt about it. And they've been the better team all season long. When the Eagles were squeaking out these one point or these three point victories against, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills and teams like that. And granted, they're they're strong opponents. They didn't necessarily play particularly well in those games. They got bailed out in certain situations. You know, again, fate plays out. The football gods, I believe, are real. And I think the best team's gonna win this division. And the best team in this division is the Dallas Cowboys. And if they don't win this division, I'll walk away with the best team didn't win it because I saw on the field on Sunday that the Cowboys are the better team. Now the NFL is a week-by-week week league. So that's one thing I will say. So, you know, just because they were good last week doesn't mean they're going to be good next week. I mean, we saw that with the, the Kellen Moore regime, right? Remember two years ago in 2021, when the Cowboys were riding this really hot streak and then they ran into the Denver Broncos and they weren't the same pretty much the entire season. You know, so something like that, it's possible that that can happen. I don't think it will just because I think 
A lot of that had to do with Kellen Moore's scheme being figured out and him not making adjustments. I, I don't think that that's the case with this offensive coaching staff. But again, you never know. It's the NFL. But yeah, I feel good about our chances to win the division. Jonathan Hankins suffered a high ankle sprain versus the Eagles on Sunday. Uh, as of right now, he has not been put on IR, uh, which is a good sign because if it was something serious, he would have been put on IR right now. And even if he was to get put on IR, the thing is with IR, you have to be on that list for four weeks, right? So if he's on that list for four weeks, that means he would be ready for the first round of the playoffs, which would be great. You know, this is this is actually probably the best news that we could have gotten uh, coming out of that game. Because, look, Jonathan Hankins is a very important player on this defense. He might not get a bunch of publicity because of the job he's being asked to do, which is, you know, he's a nose tackle. Um, and they don't necessarily get a lot of shine because, you know, it's it, it's not a flashy position. What they're asked to do, th those nose tackles, it's not flashy. So, you know, maybe the casual fan might not understand the importance of Jonathan Hankins, but I do. You know, what he does in it is, is important, no doubt about it. Um, I don't think you're going to have him versus Buffalo. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to have him versus Miami as well either, which is fine. You know, get healthy because that Lions game is going to be important coming down the stretch and they're going to need him in that Lions game. No doubt about it. No doubt about him. They're going to need him in that game. With the way the Lions like to run the football and how versatile they are running the football, you know, I know they're on a little bit of a... Uh, a rough spell there, but you know, that's a team that we do have to take seriously, no doubt about it. You have to take every team seriously, but you know they're a team that they've had some success this year, especially running the football. So you got to take them seriously, no doubt about it. And um, he's going to be important in that game. He's going to be important come playoff time because you know if you go to Atlanta uh, first round of the playoffs, they're going to run the football a lot. They're not going to put the ball in Desmond Ritter's hands. Why would they do that? Desmond Ritter is not a not a good quarterback. They're going to run the ball a lot because they have the personnel to do it, you know, so he's going to be important in a game like that. So, um, and, and then going forward with Philly, I mean, granted, Philly hasn't been running the ball as effectively as they have been in years past San Francisco. You're definitely going to need them for that. So, you know, I hope, I hope they take it slow with Jonathan Hankins and, you know, Mozzie Smith's going to have to step up. No doubt about it. He's going to have to step up. And then they, they have Carl Davis on the practice squad. I assume they're going to elevate him while uh, Jonathan Hankins is out. So expect to see him on the field uh, more. Now, is Mozzie Smith ready to, to you know, be that nose tech, one technique type of guy uh, as a starter? I mean, we're going to have to wait and see. I think Mozzie Smith has been progressing through the season. I don't think they're going to put too much on his plate, though. You know, I, I, I don't think you're going to see a crazy in, increase of reps. I just don't think he's ready for that. Carl Davis is a guy who has experience in the league. Uh, I expect that, you know, you're obviously he's going to get an increase in snaps because, I mean, they have no other choice. And, hey, look, good on the front office for for going and signing Carl Davis. No, I think it was a month or two ago. Good on them for doing that. Good on them for having that insurance on their roster. You know, he's active, he's been practicing, and he's ready to step in. You know, how the, the level of play he's going to put forward when he steps in, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, it's good that, that they're not panicking and saying, hey, let's go, let's go out and sign a one technique that, that, you know, hasn't been practicing, has been on the couch all season in week 15 of the NFL season. You know, uh, there's a lot of people suggesting that they should sign Indomitian Sue. 
There's no reason for it. You know, there's no reason for it. And Dominican Sue is not a Jonathan Hankins replacement. <laughs> like they're they're kind of different players. You know, and Dominican Sue is more of a a pass rusher type of defensive tackle to where Jonathan Hankins is a guy who is stout against the run. You know, they're they're different players. I don't think that he's an uh, you know the type of replacement that you would need. You know, if like an Oso Digizua went down, then yeah, I would consider Indomitian Sue. But, you know, he's not a Jonathan Hankins replacement. So overall, look, Jonathan Hankins is an important important player on this defense. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. And, you know, him not being there, the defense will not be as good. It just won't. All right, let's go over some of my notes from the All-22 from this game versus the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Thought Dak had a good game overall, but he, he could have been better. There were some throws that got away from him. You know, that fumble that he had, he had Brandon Cooks getting open, and he was going to try and get him the football. It just so happened that, uncharacteristically, Zach Martin got beat in pretty quick fashion. So, you know, he wasn't able to rip that ball down the field. But, you know, when Dak goes out there and says, if I play my best game, we put 50 up there, he's saying that for a reason. He's saying that because he knows he missed opportunities out there. And he's also saying that because he's not afraid that his words are going to haunt him. That's an important thing to take into note when we talk about that quote that Dak Prescott had about the Philadelphia that Philadelphia Eagles game. He doesn't think that those words are going to haunt him. He's not afraid of playing this team again. And just overall, this team's not afraid of playing him again. But, you know, I, I thought Dak did have a good game, though. No doubt about it. He had a good game. Um, I think it's kind of getting overhyped in the national media about how good of a game he had. I, I thought he was way better in that Seattle game. Like, I think that that Seattle game was the MVP statement. But, you know, Dak played good enough uh, for the Cowboys to win by 20 points. So, I mean, you're not going to complain about that. So, you know, uh, I do like that after the game, Dak was like, I could have played better. You know, and, and he knows it. He knows it, which is fine. Um, so, I mean... We'll, we'll see. I, Dak's the MVP in the NFL right now, and I expect that he's going to continue to play high-level football. But if you're asking me to rank where this game ranks uh, out of his last, like, eight games, I'd probably put in the bottom half. But, you know, if, if that performance is in the bottom half of your last eight games, you're playing high-level football, which is what Dak Prescott's playing at the moment, no doubt about it. The run game was giving the Eagles fits all night long. You know, what really surprised me was Mike McCarthy got the ball first. I think the Eagles won the, the toss and they deferred to the second half, but they got the ball first and Mike McCarthy made it a point to run the ball down the Eagles throat and they ran the ball into the strength of their defense, which is, you know, those A and B gaps where they have their best players on their defense, right? Davis and Carter and Fletcher Cox. They moved those guys. They moved those guys, which was surprising to me because they didn't have much success running the football in that week nine game against Philadelphia. But what Dallas did was, hey, we know what the strength of your defense is. We can throw the ball on you all day long, but we're going to take your will because we know at the very least you can feel confident in that part of your defense. You're not going to feel confident about it after this game. And look, the way that they were running the football with Pollard and Rico Dowdle. Don't pay attention to the stats, right? Because the stats would suggest that these guys you know, had had okay games. But 
you know, they had some really tough runs and Pollard had some big runs. I think there was like two big runs that he had that got called back. And Pollard overall, you know, when you look at what he did as a receiver in that game as well, off those checkdowns, off, you know, some of the routes that he ran, like, man, he, he did some some good work. I think he had 37 receiving yards and I think 52 rushing yards, Not, you know, I might be wrong in that, but I know it's somewhere in the ballpark of that. So he had almost, you know, 100 all-purpose yards. But I, I feel like some of those first downs that he had and some of those runs that he had, they were impactful. And, uh, you know, Tony Powered is starting to find his footing. He's starting to play better football. You know, it, this is this is the guy that you paid $10 million for for this season. And, uh, you know, now that he's splitting carries with Rico Dowdle, hopefully that's something they do going forward. That's great to see. And let's talk about Rico. Rico is your power back. You know, but here's the thing, right? There were a lot of people that were craving to bring Ezekiel Elliott back before the season. Rico Dowdle is a better player than, than Ezekiel Elliott. And I know Ezekiel Elliott had that big game for the Patriots last Thursday. That's great. I, I, I think Rico Dowdle uh, is more explosive than uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He might, he might not run with as much power. Actually, I think he he might, but I mean, you know, they're comparable in that regard, but I just think the way that uh, Rico Dowdle is able to move outside of the tackles as well and on the edges, I think that puts him over Ezekiel Elliott. But overall, you know, he is a very solid number two back. I think he's more of a bell cow than Tony Powered is, but if you want to give Tony Powered 16 carries, I'm not upset about it. This run scheme has gotten a lot better, and if they add a, uh, a, a an efficient rushing attack to what is already maybe the best passing attack in football right now, that that's going to be dangerous for for the entire league for the entire league, right? Because what are two things that travel? A run game and defense. And right now, you know, we'll get into the defense. They played very well against Philly. And, you know, they ran the ball against Philly effectively as well. Like, that's a team that you could potentially play in the playoffs. That's a team that a lot of people look at as the third best team in your conference. So if you can run the ball on that front, you got to feel confident in your ability to do so come playoff time too. Because, I mean, man, that offensive line had their way with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. Uh, as I stated, Powered is really starting to play good football. It, it, it's important that this guy starts to play, you know, is starting to play the football that we expected him to play, you know, pretty much all season long. Um, and it's coming at the right time. Is Tony Powered that explosive back that we've seen in the past? No, he's he's not that. He's not as explosive as he once was. But, you know, you see in certain situations, like on a screen pass where Peyton Hendershot's getting out leveraged, he's patient, he's you know, he's waiting for Peyton Hendershot to establish his base, and then, all right, boom, now I'm going to hit that hole. Uh, it, it, it's it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff from Tony Powered. And, you know, I, last season, the way I looked at this offense was get the ball in the hands of Powered, get the ball in the hands of CeeDee Lamb, because those are your two most explosive players. Things have kind of changed this season. I don't have the same opinion of Tony Power that I had last year, but I'm starting to get back to that opinion because, man, he's starting to play good football, no doubt about it. The O-line this time around was much, much better than when they played in Philly. Um, Terrence Steele lost lost a few reps to Hassan Reddick. You know, that sack that Dak took from Hassan Reddick where he went very low, that was scary, but, you know, Dak got back up. 
Um, you know, so look, Terrence Steele is not the same player that he was last season where I, you know, I thought Terrence Steele was tremendous last year. He's not that same player. He's working his way back from that ACL injury. Uh, so we hope that, you know, he can get back to the player that he was. Here's the thing. When you have an injury like that, you have to, you have to train your mind to do like the small finite details of certain things again, right? Because that's, that's important in football in general, when it comes to your technique, those small details are important. So, you know, I think wait till this offseason when Terrence Steele gets a fully healthy offseason in him and he'll get back in the lab with Duke Mannyweather and 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 Terrence will be back to what he was in that 2022 season. I have no doubt about it. I don't think you can expect that from him for the rest of this season. But my thing with Terrence is just don't die quickly. You're going to die. <laughs> just die, die a slow death, you know. Don't die quickly, um, and which is what happened on Sunday versus Philly. I, I I thought it was a much better performance this time around, and um, you know Terrence Steele has been he's been better ever since that that Philly game. But again, th that level that of play that he had last year was was much better than the level of play that he's putting forward this year, which is understandable. You know he's coming off the ACL injury, but uh, let's just hope that you know. Um, he can return back to form. Tyler Smith was tremendous in this game. Um, he's done really good work against Jalen Carter. In all of his pass blocking snaps against Jalen Carter, uh, I think he's allowed one pressure and he didn't lose a single um, run blocking rep to Jalen Carter either in both of these games. So, you know, that's big because that's going to be a fight for a long time uh, here to come, right? Probably for the next 10 12, maybe even 15 years, you know, like depending on how long Tyler Smith and Jalen Carter play, that's going to be a, a fight for a long time here. And I, I feel confident in Tyler Smith and, you know, he's, he's playing really good football right now, you know, no doubt about it. And, and I hope that they continue to keep him at guard. Um, Jake Ferguson is starting to become a weapon for Dallas. He, you know, he just is, um, he's a five tool tight end in my personal opinion. He, he does it all. He's a good pat. He's a good run blocker. When he goes out for his routes, when he's playing uh, as an end line tight end, he'll chip, and like man, he'll he'll get people off his spot, off their spot. It's impressive to see the way, you know, he chips, goes out for a route, makes a play, does something crazy after the catch. Like he's a weapon for Dallas, and to me, I think that. He's probably your 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 third best receiving option. I still think Brandon Cooks is a better receiving option than him. I'm starting to change that opinion because I just think Jake Ferguson is starting to become one of the better tight ends in football. You know, one thing I said earlier in the season is Jake Ferguson is your number two option. Is that good enough to win a Super Bowl? I'm starting to lean towards, yeah, if he's your number two option, you might be able to win a Super Bowl. That's how good this guy is. He's... He's, he's really impressing me. Uh, and he's going to continue to get better and better and better. And, you know, look, if the Cowboys continue to target Jake Ferguson and and, and they give him, like, Kelsey-level targets, I, I think you might be able to get Kelsey-level production from Jake Ferguson. That's just what I think about the guy. Like, you know, right now on this offense, C.D. Lamb's going to get a bunch of targets due to the fact that he's like that. You know, he's a top-five receiver in football right now. And, and when you have a top five receiver, he needs to take up a bunch of your targets. But 
Ferguson is a very nice complimentary piece along with Brandon Cooks. And, and that's that's the you know the the meat and uh potatoes of this offense right now are those three guys. And then you have your complimentary pieces like Turpin and Jalen Tolbert and those guys. Uh McCarthy is doing a great job opening up the field by using motion. Uh, or certain route concepts to create space. You know, one problem that I had with Kellen Moore was Kellen Moore had Doc throwing into a lot of tight windows. And the reason why he was throwing into those tight windows was due to the fact that, you know, there wasn't much separation being created with the receivers and they weren't scheming up separation for Dak Prescott. So that's kind of what happened when it came to Dak throwing into those tighter windows, because this year, He's still pushing the ball down the field like he did last year, but the interception numbers are down. Why? Because they're running certain route concepts that create separations for separation for the receivers. They're using motion to spread out the field so that, you know, not everything is as stagnant as it was last year. So Mike McCarthy's doing a great job. He deserves credit from people. He deserves a bunch of respect. And, you know, man, absolutely. He's he's doing good work. The red zone offense was very successful, three for three in the red zone. You love to see it. This this red zone offense is starting to come together, and it's it's coming together at the most important time. Uh, on the defensive side of things, they did a great job in open field tackling, especially the cornerbacks uh, and safeties. Gilmore made some very big open field tackles. Same thing with Deron Bland. Donovan Wilson, He's a, he had his best game of the season, in my personal opinion. He really did. You know, they're starting to, they used him in blitzes more this game than they have in the past. He had that forced fumble. You know, Donovan Wilson was such an important part of this defense last year. And and I felt like he wasn't having as good of a season this year as he did last year. And I still don't think that. But man, if you can get that Donovan Wilson from last year that made the Cowboys come off their philosophy of not paying safeties as much money as they pay as they paid. Donovan Wilson, then yeah, man, like that could be huge for this defense. Like that could be crucial. You know, Donovan Wilson, I man, I love him. I think he's a great player. I really do. And it's good to see him, you know, starting to return to form. Linebackers did a good job in open field tackling as well. Marquise Bell. Now, Marquise Bell did have that one, did have that one tackle that he missed. Uh, I think it was Goddard. Uh, that he tried to like arm tackle and he just bounced off him. Um, I believe it was Goddard. Don't don't quote me on that though. Gilmore was incredible this game. He was the best player on the field. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. He really was. He was fantastic. Um, again, like I talked about with the open field tackling, taking on A.J. Brown. Don't pay attention to A.J. Brown's numbers, okay? Stop padding at its finest. You know, Eagles fans love talking about the Cowboys stop padding. Their their favorite wide receiver stop padded this game, no doubt about it. They did a great job uh, forcing turnovers. These weren't fluke turnovers. These were great defensive plays by the Cowboys. And this is something that they see with the Eagles, right? They turned the ball over, or, or they, they had three fumbles last game when they played in Philly. They weren't able to turn the ball over because... They just didn't fall on the football. This time around, the ball bounced their way, and and they took advantage of it, no doubt about it. Uh, sound run, uh, run defense. I think DeAndre Swift had 11 carries for 39 yards. You know, the, again, the numbers aren't going to look great. I think they rushed for a little over 100 yards. Jalen Hurts did have, I think, around 30 rushing yards. But you want to know what? 
I'm fine with Jalen Hurts running the football. If he's going to run the football, put a hit on him. Put a hit on him. And, and that's what the Cowboys did. You know, next time around, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to want to run the football as much because the Cowboys beat him up. Um, And the pass rush was definitely felt by Philly. No doubt about it. You know, you had that sack by Micah Parsons, which was an incredible play by him. I mean, he, he pushed Lane Johnson back. Like, that was a flat-out bull rush to the quarterback. And, you know, just overall, I, I felt like they did a good job getting in that backfield and gre- getting pressure on Jalen Hurts, which caused, you know, him to get rid of the football a lot quicker than he wants to. And that's an offense that you got to get pressure on Jalen Hurts. It's easier said than done due to the fact that that is, you know, a really good offensive line. But overall, you know, if you're able to speed up Jalen Hurts, I think that that's when, you know, you're at your best as a defense against that offense. So those are my notes that I took from viewing the All-22. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was very impressed with the way the Cowboys played because ultimately I don't think they played that great of a game and they still won by 20 points. So you're not going to be mad at that. So let's get into the Buffalo Bills. Now, I only watched one game and they're all 22 so far. I'm going to talk more about the Bills later in the week. I'm going to do a live stream going over the game, like just exclusively going over that game. So let's get into the Buffalo Bills offensively. Josh Allen, we all know him. Some people love him. Some people hate him. I fall in the middle with Josh Allen. You know, I think that Josh Allen is a really good player. I think he's a top five quarterback in this league, but he is a flawed quarterback, even though some people don't want to admit that he has flaws. Like, you know, that quarterback, that that former quarterback that played for the Detroit Lions that ran out of the, out of the back of the end zone that says a lot of stupid stuff about the Cowboys. Uh, that's just a hint for you guys. Um, Josh Allen will put the ball in, in harm's way. He had a really bad interception against the Chiefs. Almost threw two interceptions. Probably should have thrown two interceptions. He had, you know, when when they played the Eagles, he had a terrible interception on, you know, their side of the field. I think it was on their, like, 15, 20-yard line. He had a really bad interception where he stared Stephon Diggs down for, like, three to five seconds, and James Bradbury jumped the route and picked the ball off. Um, So Josh Allen will put the ball in harm's way, I think, He's riding a nine-game win or nine-game streak of him throwing an interception, but apparently he doesn't have a turnover problem. Again, that former quarterback who played in Detroit that ran out of the back in the end zone uh, said that he doesn't have a turnover problem. It's ridiculous. He he does, and um, there's no way to get around it. But that's fine. You have to wrap up and tackle Josh Allen. This is a guy that can get out of the pocket, improvise, make plays down the field when he gets out of the pocket, can make plays down the field. When he's in the pocket as well, he's a playmaker, no doubt about it. Like you have to account for this guy, and when you get your hands on him, you have to bring him to the ground, which is easier said than done. And this guy's what six five, six six, two hundred fifty pounds. He's a unit. He he is an absolute unit, and he's not afraid to leave the pocket and run with the football either. He's effective doing that as well. So Josh Allen. Really good player that you have to take in, uh, you have to take consideration into. Uh, offense is very reliant on Stephon Diggs. Very reliant. This is this is a guy who I think he's top five in targets this year. He's usually within that top five of targets. He's a really good player. So you know it makes a lot of sense that you know he's a big part of their offense. But you know outside of Stephon Diggs, I'm not 
really moved by any of their receivers outside of that. You know, Dawson Knox is okay. Dalton Kincaid having a pretty good rookie season, but you know, overall still has still needs to do some more things to improve on his game. So I'm not like really worried about Dalton Kincaid. Gabe Davis, he's okay. Khalil Shakur, you know, a okay slot receiver. They they don't really move me outside of Stephon Diggs, but you know, Stephon Diggs is like that, and and you have to you have to pay attention to him, no doubt about it. Uh, not a team that will pound you uh, on the inside. Pause. Uh, meaning they're not going to run the ball on the inside. This is a team that likes to attack the edges with James Cook. Uh, and when they do run on the inside, they like to run a lot of traps, counters, delays, stuff like that. Uh, so this isn't a team that's going to line up under center, give the ball to the running back, you know, get through a gap and, and, you know, move guys while he's running with the football. That's just not the type of running back he is. He likes to attack the edges. And not only that, he's a very good receiver as well. You have to take that into account. I think he has like four, close to 400 receiving yards as well. So that's something that you have to take into consideration when it comes to James Cook. He had a receiving touchdown last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Beautiful design by Joe Brady. He was wide open. So, you know, they have to pay attention to him. Almost had a touchdown on the wheel route against Philadelphia. I wish he would have scored that touchdown because they didn't end up getting points and they would have won that football game if, if if he just, you know, catches a ball that's, you know, put right in the breadbasket. Just uh, uh, that game, man. Oh, man. Uh, they have an okay offensive line, but they're not very good on the interior. Uh, Osiris Torrance and uh, Connor McGovern are their guards. And I think their center is, a, uh, his last name is Morse, I believe it is. On tape, just from what I saw against the Chiefs, granted, the Chiefs have Chris Jones, and that's not an easy task. But the Chiefs were able to get in that backfield on the interior. So uh, Deion Dawkins is a pretty, pretty nice tackle that they have. But outside of that, you can get to Josh Allen. Defensively, two things I will say is, Maybe maybe this is just because they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs and I'm going to have to watch more tape on this team. Again, once I do the live stream later in the week, I'll be able to give you a better report on this Bills team. You can run the football on this team. I think they're 19th in run defense and they're in like the bottom eight of yards per carry. So you can run the ball on this team. And I expect that the Cowboys are going to do that on Sunday. It, this game, the weather for this game is going to be pretty good. I think it's 50 degrees. I think that's going to be the weather for this game. So, yeah, uh, you know that's that's a good sign for the Cowboys. And they do like to keep things underneath. I seem to me that they like to play a lot of too high, which is you know which is fine. You have guys that can take advantage of that. You know, Kelsey had a really good game. You have a tight end that kind of plays a similar way to Travis Kelsey and Jake Ferguson. So expect him to have a big game. I expect CeeDee Lamb to have a big game as well. You know, so overall, this is a good football team, but I do think that there are some fundamental flaws in this team, and there's a reason why they're 7-6. and six. And that's that's what I'll say. There is a reason why they're 7-6. and six. Their, their coaching staff isn't great. This isn't a well-coached football team. Josh Allen struggles at times managing a football game. Like, for example, in, in that Philly game, right? Misses on the James Cook 
uh, potential touchdown pass. It's third and six, two false starts. And then instead of trying to get your team into field goal range, Josh Allen tries to pick up a first down 17 yards down the field. So, you know, take advantage of things like that in this game. But, you know, I'll have my prediction later on in the week, but I think there's a very good chance that the Cowboys can win this game. That's going to be it for the episode though, guys. If you haven't already, please make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all those uh, platforms, make sure to follow the show and leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. And I will see you guys on the next episode.